He's Pittsburgh born and we like him that way. What an incredible Cinderella story. This unknown comes out of nowhere. This is the Adam Crowley Show. Cinderella boy. Yeah. On 970 ESPN and now on 106.3 FM. Four one two nine two 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 eight seven four is the number to call. Who's got a better chance of winning the scoring title, Sidney Crosby or Phil Kessel? I'm just kidding. That's how they open the shows on that other station across the street. First, it's the phone number, and then it's some question that you don't really need to think all that hard about. And then they take that and they talk about it for an hour. And they'll do the same thing a couple more times until their show is over. We don't do things like that around here. It is the Crowley Show, where your mom listens, and you should too. 412-922-2874 is the number to call. Or you can join the cast of dozens. Follow me on Twitter, at underscore Adam Crowley. I'm trying to have a bigger social footprint now. I'm trying to get the peeps online. We've grown 300% in terms of the ratings here on the Crowley Show since I took over. We're very proud of that. We're very happy about that. But the reality is, the signal blows. But it doesn't blow on iHeartRadio. So check out iHeart. Go to ESPNPGH.com. On Twitter, I always put up the podcast. We do a good job of that on the ESPNPGH page on Twitter as well. Get after that. You can hear me 24-7 if you really want to. Why wouldn't you want to? The only person who doesn't want to is my wife. Everyone else likes me. But one of the things I did was I posted a video. We're going to be doing this every day. It's our cheese tease. I'm over the top. It's cheesy. But I'll tell you exactly what we're going to talk about on the show today. And you can find that on Twitter at underscore Adam Crowley. Far too often in society, in sports, in whatever it might be, we dig a trench We get into it, and then we don't move. Whether it's a political opinion, whether it's a scientific opinion, whether it's a sports opinion, whatever it might be, we stay entrenched in our original position. Whether new facts are presented or not. Well, there's been some new facts that have been presented in the Le'Veon Bell situation, and yet I find that a lot of people are still entrenched in their original position on Le'Veon Bell. The new facts, Mark Caboli tweeted out of The Athletic that Le'Veon and the Steelers are working towards a deal. Le'Veon had this to say at the Pro Bowl. He feels like something's going to get done. He feels like they're closer than where they were last year. Also, new information coming out from the Pro Bowl, that Le'Veon Bell had an excused absence from the walkthrough the day before the division round playoff game against the Jacksonville Jaguars. That changes a hell of a lot. When I heard that information, when I read what Ed Bouchette wrote, I was livid. I was pissed. Le'Veon, how in the hell can you get away, man, with not practicing the day before a freaking playoff game? And I kind of jumped off that point and thought further about what Le'Veon was trying to do. I thought about Le'Veon trying to force the Steelers' hand. But now it turns out that wasn't the case at all. With new facts come a new opinion. I ain't pissed at Le'Veon anymore. 
One of the jumping points from Le'Veon missing that practice was that Mike Tomlin does not have control of this football team. Now, that very well still might be true. That very well might be a huge problem. And in fact, I would argue that he needs to rein his guys in a little bit. But I said on Friday when this all came out that Le'Veon Bell not being a practice was the final straw for me when it comes to Mike Tomlin. Not that he's going to get fired, but that things need to change and maybe Art Rooney II needed to make sure things changed. Well, the final straw has now been removed. And if the final straw has been removed, then how much needs to be changed? I think it's one thing if players are going off on social media and if players are trash-talking. That's going to happen. That's always happened. That's never, ever, ever going to change. But players not showing up at the most critical situations, at the most critical time prior to the biggest games of the season, that's a huge issue. But it's not an issue at all because it didn't happen. So I have to change my tune. I got a text from somebody that I trust, somebody who covers the Steelers, this weekend who said, you might want to ease up on the Tomlin criticism because this Bell thing, I'm hearing it's not that serious. And then I considered where the Bell information was placed in the story. Ed Bouchette of the Post-Gazette, Hall of Famer, really good dude. He knows what he's doing. Who knows if he wrote the headline? I'm guessing he didn't. Because the writer very rarely writes the headline. Usually that's the editor's job. The headline said something like, Le'Veon Bell misses practice. But in the story, the final two paragraphs were dedicated to that. Not the beginning of the story. Not the middle of the story. It was at the end of the story. Leading me to believe now, with the benefit, certainly, of hindsight, that... Ed didn't really feel all that comfortable or all that solid in the information. And he didn't want to make it a bigger deal than it was. And now we find out that that's exactly the case. We did make this a bigger deal than it needed to be. I don't believe that I need to apologize for anything because I talk on a radio station. I'm here solely, in my opinion, for entertainment. Information, great. I'm informed. I do my homework. I work very hard on this radio show. But I work hard at trying to make you laugh, at tackling interesting sports topics, and trying to get at them looking at it differently than other people might. So if I say something that winds up being wrong, okay, whatever. No one dies. No one goes to jail because of it. So I don't take myself that seriously, nor should you. So I'm not going to apologize whenever I say things about the information that we were given at the time. Now, you always want to look beyond the information. You want to see the source. You want to see how the information is provided to you. But I am not a journalist. I am not the one who goes out and digs. And I assume when things are put on my plate, when things are given to all of us to consume, I imagine and I believe those things are factual. I'm not the president. I don't buy hashtag fake news. When I read something, I'll look into it. But if the writer is credible, and if the information seems believable, I'm going to run with it on this show, and I did. But that doesn't mean that when new information comes out, you don't change your tune. 
There were people last week from the station across the street and from other places around town that said, Steelers, get rid of Le'Veon. This guy. Why? Why would he do this? Why would he skip the practice before the biggest game? And I said that, but I said, bring him in. Bring him back. You win with talent in this damn league. You don't get rid of the number one player at his position because he might be a distraction. But other people said, this is the final straw. He's not worth the hassle. And I can get behind that. But the same people, the Andrew Filipponis of the world and other people around town, are standing steadfastly behind what they believed at the time. They're staying in that trench that they dug for themselves. And they're not allowing the new information to affect their decision-making. If Le'Veon Bell missing practice was the final straw for you when it comes to Le'Veon Bell, if missing practice is what finally got you to say F that jag off, then you have to reel it in a little bit today. For as much as Le'Veon is kind of out there, and as much as sometimes you might think he's not about the team, and as much as a lot of people out there think he's a bad guy just solely because of the fact that he got suspended, I've always found Le'Veon Bell to be believable. I've always found Le'Veon Bell to be a good human being. He might like himself a lot, but hey, a lot of people in this industry, maybe myself included, like ourselves a lot. So when Le'Veon says today it was excused, that his absence from that practice was signed off on by Mike Tomlin, I'm going to believe him. And for those of you out there who don't like him because he missed the practice, if that was the final straw for you, you need to rethink some things because the information has changed. We don't do it in politics. We don't do it in anything these days. Information matters. New information should change opinions. Facts should change opinions. Le'Veon Bell, missing practice for a personal reason, one that was excused by Mike Tomlin, that changes some things for me. 4129222874. Tweet me at underscore Adam Crowley. A lot to get to on today's show. A lot. The Penguins won last night. They've been playing really good hockey. They've won 7 out of 10. Brian Metzer from the Penguins Radio Network will join us in nine minutes to discuss that. Josh Yowie of The Athletic at 520. Because I think the Penguins are not only making the playoffs, I think they're winning at least a round. I'll tell you why a little bit later on in the show. 412-922-2874. Mr. Anderson, first up on the Crowley Show. Hello, man. Hey, how's it going? Good, buddy. What's on your mind? Hey, just to address, and I know you're not going to apologize for it, but and I, I think that's the same reason why the other radio stations, they're, they're, they're going to hold fast to what they believe in, but the, the fact of the matter is just what you said. They didn't have all the facts, but as you know, like 75% of these gingers go by what the radio says. So they got all lathered up, and, and they hate Mike Tomlin, and they went on the route and called, get rid of Mike Tomlin. We don't need this other guy back uh, because the media set him off. Now, they may not want to come back and say, you know, sorry, because there's new information out there. You said there's new information out there, but you won't say you're sorry. You don't have to because it's a radio show. But 
like I said before, 75% of these genders just wait for the media to say something, and then they run with it. You're right about that, no Mr. Anderson. You're right about that, Mr. Anderson, that people run with what they hear on the radio and TV, and people buy into right. these things. I could not agree more. I'm not going to apologize because the information that we were given, right. it came from Ed Bouchette. And Ed Bouchette is trustworthy, and Ed Bouchette does his homework, and Ed Bouchette is in the National Football Hall of Fame because he's been such a good journalist. So I'm not going to apologize right. for but, taking what he said and making a big deal out of it. What I will right. what I will not apologize for is that. But what I will say is I'm going to allow okay. that new information to change my mind. What they're right. doing across the street, though, is not allowing that new right. information to change their mind. They're sticking most- steadfast behind the, the argument they had before, and... To me, that just comes off as not really genuine. Right. And most of the people here are, are looking for a reason anyway. So I'm saying the media gave them a reason. Ed gave them a reason. He may be a Hall of Famer, but when we call up, y'all make it seem like everything they say is the gospel, and, and we have no idea this guy's messing up. I think we need to take a step back before we jump to these conclusions when all the facts are not presented just because Ed said it don't make it so. That, that's all I'm saying. I suppose that's right, but I'm not a journalist, so I'm not out there digging to make sure that what Ed Bouchette said was correctly. I'm going to take that as, at face value because everything Ed's done in his career leads me to want to do that. The only thing that I can do is this. When the new information comes out, it can change my mind. And as far as Mike Tomlin having to have things changed or having to have Art Rooney II come down on him, I think that that's a little less, at least for me, I'll say he needs to come down less hard on him now than he would have needed to had Le'Veon Bell missed a practice the day before the game and had it not be sanctioned. Anthony in Oakland next up on the Crowley Show. What's up, man? Well, I was always skeptical about the source because we didn't know that if he had permission, especially when we had found out that that Thursday that Antonio Brown was excused because he was sick. So I, I was skeptical of, of that information in the first place. But my point with Le'Veon Bell has nothing to do with that. It has more to do with the $14 million hit they would take on the cap, especially since we – let's be honest, Ryan Shazier as a football player is not coming back. He may be as a human being as be able to walk, but not as a football player. So they they need they have needs on defense, and that that's their problem. Their offense, I think, could be fine if Le'Veon goes or not. Well, but the fourteen million dollar hit would hurt them, and they they need they need a they need a safety and an in, inside linebacker, maybe two. They do, and thanks for the call, Anthony. Four one two nine two 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 eight seven four. Anthony said he's not going to speculate. He's not going to take things at face value. And then he says Ryan Chazier is never going to play football again. That is speculative. We don't know that. But I don't really feel like addressing that point because, again, we don't have any information there. As for spending the $14.5 million that they would spend on Le'Veon Bell elsewhere, I get that. But unless you're the Patriots, in this league, you win with talent. The Patriots win with guile, and the Patriots win with the best quarterback of all time. Everyone else needs talent. The Steelers have the best player in the game, as far as I'm concerned, in Antonio Brown. Le'Veon Bell, top five player in the game. And they've got Ben Roethlisberger. Allow Ben Roethlisberger to continue to succeed with the weapons he has around him and address the defense through the draft. 412-922-2874. I think the Penguins are making the playoffs. That's a shoo-in for me. But I think now that they're going to win a round. I think they're going to make noise when they get into the playoffs. We'll discuss with Brian Metzer coming up next. I'll tell you why. It's the Crowley Show. 
T-minus three days until we see if my belly is fit for piercing. Spoiler alert, it will be. That brings us to Saturday, the 27th. We'll post a video up on the Facebook page. But the piercing will take place on Monday. The unveiling will take place on Monday, and then I suppose I should be accurate about this. If I do need to be pierced, we will be doing it on Monday. More information throughout the week right here on The Crowley Show. Penguins, winners of 7 of 10. I started looking at the standings. Started looking at the scoring race. And it hit me. Penguins are making the playoffs. But beyond that, I think they got a really, really good chance to make some noise when they get in. Joining me now to discuss from the Penguins Radio Network, he's our friend Brian Metzer. Brian, how are you today? Very good. How about you, my friend? And i gotta, I got to make one suggestion here. Yeah. Facebook Live for all that you just talked about. Oh, there's no doubt. Oh, there's no <laughs> doubt. Whilst I get pierced, I'll be doing the radio show, and it'll be on Facebook Live, and there'll be blood, and we'll get everyone what they want. Uh, everyone's going to get exactly what they need in that moment. So don't worry about that, Brian. <laughs> I, I'll be tuning in. The Penguins are getting exactly what they need. It's clear to me now at the moment. Uh, they've been playing better five-on-five. Five. That's probably the last thing that they need to get done. The power play has been great. The penalty kill has been unbelievable. Last night, though, they got three five-on-five five goals. We'll get to all that in a minute. But, Brian, I was looking at what the Penguins would have ahead of them if they were to make the playoffs. And let's say they got that two or three in the Metropolitan Division. And I think that they will because I think that they're better than the teams that they're chasing right now. They then get to play maybe New Jersey, maybe the Islanders, perhaps the Rangers who are banged up. Columbus scares me a little bit because I think they're a very talented bunch, but whoever the Penguins would play in the first round, I'd make them the favorite to win that round. Yeah, I would tend to agree with you. I mean, it's uh, the Eastern Conference. There's a lot of parity there. I mean, yes, there's a couple of, of very good hockey teams. I think the Tampa Bay Lightning have come down to earth a little bit, but they're still very good. The Boston Bruins are playing very well, but definitely in the divisional round, I think it's right for the taking. I mean, the Penguins right now, I know there's games in hand for the Devils and Flyers, but they're just one point out of jumping over both of those teams. Yes, that's going to flip-flop how many times now over the next couple of weeks, but the Penguins might be playing the best of the bunch right now. I think they've started to find their groove, and boy, isn't this just the second half that we all sort of thought or, or speculated about? Could this happen? Well, the Penguins are putting it all together. They're getting some contributions from up and down the lineup, and it looks like they've started to appear to be a much deeper team than we gave them credit for. Yeah, I think so, too. And they've got that infusion of youth now, Brian. And for those of us who've been following the Penguins for a while, there seems to be a theme there, right? I mean, two years ago, uh, the Penguins bring in Connor Sherry. They've got Russ. They've got Kuhn Hockle. And those players help push the Penguins over the top. Last year, it's Jake Gensel. They've got some players now who can come in infuse that youth, infuse some speed, infuse some not-tired legs, and I kind of think we're going to see a deja vu situation again. It's starting to look that way. I've, I've probably been more impressed than anybody in the city because he's the guy I keep hearing people you know, sort of shoot daggers at and say he should come out of the lineup. But Dominic Simone, for whatever reason, he's endeared himself to the coaching staff, and I'm going to say that's hard work probably is first and foremost as to why he's been able to do that. But he very quietly has... Five points now in eight games since he was put on the line with Sidney Crosby. The assist that he got against the San Jose Sharks on the Penguins' only goal the other night was really a, a, a great individual effort from him from top to bottom. He made a play in the defensive zone, threw the puck up into the neutral zone. Mark Edward Vlasic from the Sharks picked it up. 
But by the time he tried to make a play, Simone got into position and picked off his pass, carried it in on a give-and-go with Sidney Crosby, took a shot, picked up the rebound, fed Connor Sherry for a goal. So that's the kind of thing he's doing. Brian Rust, one of the former young players that you talked about from years past, well, look at the impact he can have in just one game back. Right. I think we, we all saw the speed that was absent from him being out of the lineup with his injury. He makes a huge play with speed last night. He's going to have fresh legs now in the second half. JSD was great last night. He had an uh, outstanding game for a young guy that hasn't been around for many NHL games. So overall, yes, you're right. They're really going to the cupboard. They're finding this depth once again, some new, some old. It's speed, it's it's uh, health now, and it's guys that seem to have fresh legs, and it's made a huge impact. And I think those veteran players on the Penguins roster, they thrive off of that. That gives them a boost of energy. Look at what Sidney Crosby's done since he was playing with these young guys, and I know it's Connor Sherry now back up on that line and not Dom, uh, Daniel Sprong, but at the same time, he seems to be invigorated playing with those youngsters, and it's a, a whole new level for the captain. What's interesting to me, Brian, is that you've got a guy, correct me if I'm wrong, but Dominic Simone, I mean, he's not an incredibly high pedigree guy, yes? No, I, I think he had some better numbers when he was a younger player, and it, and it could end up being uh, like some other guys that were in the Penguins organization. I mean, if you look at Tom Kuhnockel, he was a huge scorer in junior hockey. Right. He comes to the National Hockey League, and he's been more of a role player on the third and fourth line, specifically on the fourth line. I think Simone, he's probably not going to be a top-six player for this team long-term. But then again, I, I just keep looking at a guy like Pascal Dupuis, who necessarily didn't have a high offensive pedigree in the National Hockey League either and somehow found a way to make magic with Sidney Crosby based on speed and hard work. Maybe he can be that guy while putting a, a skill player on the other side. But you're right, he's not a guy with that, that resume that really leaps off the page and you're going to say, well, boy, this is the kind of guy that can really light it up. He's had successful offensive seasons uh, along the line as he was coming up through the ranks, and I don't know that that's going to translate. But for right now, it seems to be working, and, and I'm not going to question it, So you know, as it's allowed them to sort of move the talent around that lineup in a little different kind of way. Yeah, and you know what, Brian? I wasn't saying that so much as it's a negative or anything like that. It's just interesting to me that the guys the Penguins have had success with the Rusts of the world, uh, the Gensels, the Sherrys, I mean, they've all had their success, and some of them had a lot of success in the minor leagues, but none of these guys were coming in as you thought were going to be uh, the, the fix-all, right? And yet all of them have helped carry their weight in very good hockey clubs, and I don't see why Dominic Simone can't be the same kind of way. And it's interesting even further that that then uh, that then you have Daniel Sprong, who does have all the pedigree in the world. And my God, you can see with the release and uh, the velocity he has on his shot, he's the guy who's right now sitting in Wilkes-Barre. Yeah, it's, it's kind of a shame that that's happening. And, and, you know, between you, I, and everybody listening, I have that weird feeling in my gut that he's going to be traded just because he doesn't Whoa. seem to have endeared himself to this coaching staff. That's not anything I've heard or anything, but... He's gotten this look the first time he dipped it all, and it was really one defensive lapse that I could really find looking back at his last game played, and he didn't get to play in the third period, was scratched for two games, and was immediately sent back to Wilkes-Barre Scranton. I felt overall that his body of work while he was in Pittsburgh was pretty good. He looked like a better two-way player than he got credit for, and the fact that he was so quick to get that hook tells me that the work, the work ethic, at least in the eyes of the coaching staff, isn't necessarily there yet. And I don't want him to be traded. I think that would be a huge mistake because of what you just said. I mean, he's got that release. He's probably as close to being a Phil Kessel replacement at some point as the Penguins <laughs> right. have in this organization because that's the kind of guy he is. And for whatever reason, 
they just don't seem to be a fan of him. But you're, you're right, though. They do find it. They find a way to hit home runs with a lot of these other lower pedigree type guys. And look at the way a Brian Rust has evolved. The Carter right. Sherry has evolved. And even Jake Gensel, to be honest, I don't know. I talked to some people that watched him play, you know, youth, youth hockey or high school hockey growing up, up up in Minnesota and then watched him in college. They all thought he'd be a fine NHL player, but some of these folks never dreamed he could maybe scratch the surface of being a star and they're helping him develop into that. I mean, he's getting, he's overcoming his size and the fact that he's sort of a slight guy and he's been a great player for the Penguins organization. So they, they are definitely finding a way with guys that you would not expect it from all the time. Brian Metzer, Penguins Radio Network, joining me here on the Crowley Show. I don't want to go for too far of a reach here, but just hearing you describe the Daniel Sprong situation kind of reminded me of Derek Pouliot, where I mean, I'm sure he got a fair shake, but at times it didn't really feel like he did. And any mistake that he would make, it seemed, was magnified tenfold by the coaching staff and the organization. I really hope that's not the way things go with Sprong. Yeah, I would agree with you. I um, I think it's different from Pouliot in that Pouliot just seemed to regress year over year over year. And even times down at Wilkes-Barre Scranton, where you thought he would really start to light light up everything, you know, do it in the defensive zone, do it offensively, it would dip, and he wouldn't necessarily thrive there either. And you heard all of those off-ice knocks and rumors and speculation, which I don't even want to get into. You don't hear necessarily those same things about Strong. Right. I think that I think they will give him a fair shake. But you're just – look at the coach the Penguins have right now. I mean, this is a – a blue-collar guy, a U.S.-born coach who likes those hard-nosed, tough players that work hard every shift. Yes, there's room for skill and tenacity, but that's why he loves Sidney Crosby so much, I think, because Sid has it all. He's the full package of how you please uh, Mike Sullivan. He's great offensively. He's very good in his own zone. He's very good in the face-off dot. And he's also one of the hardest workers. I mean, he's always one of the first to get back on the back check. He's in the forechecking hard. He's playing great defensively. So Daniel Sprong maybe just needs to look hard at himself and say, this is what i got to do to prove myself to my head coach at the National Hockey League level. He's going to maybe take the onus off the offensive side of the game a little bit, only because we, we all know that's there. So focus on straight defense. Focus on being the first guy back on D, making a strong breakout pass. One play that still sticks out, and I know that I talked to um, Paul Steigerwald about this on one of our postgame shows, Strong made a pass to Simone, breaking through the neutral zone. He was trying to feed him at the blue line, going in on an attack offensively. And he rifled this pass such that it ended up sort of, I don't remember if it was an icing play or if it just went past him and ended up being a turnover, which was brought right back. But Simone couldn't take the pass. I think the coach probably looked more at Strong there saying, you got to know what your line mate's doing and make a smarter read and reaction with the puck. So not so much at uh, Simone saying he should have taken that pass, which is the way Staggy read it. He thought that Simone should have been able to take the pass. Well, I guarantee you that coaching staff said Strong needed to make a smarter play with the puck, and that's why he's not here right now. Ryan Metro joining me here on the Crowley Show. I brought this up yesterday uh, to Jason Mackey of the Post-Gazette, and it was his response was interesting, so I want to get yours. There was talk before that, in the last couple of seasons, I should be more specific, that Matt Murray was Mike Sullivan's guy, and Mike Sullivan loves to play his guy and i always thought eh, okay maybe but i think he just wants to play the guy who gives the penguins the best chance to win obviously matt murray's going through some stuff right now but prior to that and they should give him as much time as he needs but prior to that tristan jari when he was hot was getting the playing time and, and now we're, we're seeing uh, casey DeSmith smith get playing time because he's playing well 
I don't think Mike Sullivan plays favorites. I think Mike Sullivan plays the hot hand, and I think that's what he should be doing. Uh, the only the only example that I'll cite that could be a his guy over a guy that's not his guy might be Simone and Sprong because he has clearly an opinion of that guy, and he has an opinion of what Simone is, and yeah. he's still here and he's still playing. But when it comes down to 99% of his roster, uh, and that could just be guys not named Sid, not named Gino. I feel like he does do what best suits his team. And even when you look at the Ian Cole situation and everybody's upset and saying, why isn't he playing and how's Matt Hunwick in over that? And they're saying that Mike Sullivan just doesn't like Ian Cole. If you look at the, the fancy stats, which I, can't, which I can't believe I'm even mentioning, yeah. because you know how I feel about those. I, you and I have talked about this. But Hunwick, in almost every category, has proven to have better numbers in that way. And you know the Penguins are highly involved with analytics now, so that's probably what's making that decision. Now, with this goaltending thing, he sees uh, Casey DeSmith playing at a very high level right now. He's allowed only four goals in his last three games. He's had a 944 save percentage or better in each of those three games. Overall, now 1.86 goals against 935 save percentage. And he's saying, you know what, I'm going to ride this guy. He's the hot hand. That's not a knock on Jari. That's not a knock on Matt Murray when he comes back. I, I feel like even if Murray's ready to play tomorrow night, I think he's going back to dismiss. Yeah. And Matt Murray, if anything, may dress as a backup just to get a game in under his belt. But uh, he, he is rewarding. I think that goes a long way to, towards getting the respect of your team. They see him rewarding a young guy who's a, a 26-year-old young man. He's not as young as the average youngster in the NHL. But he's rewarding a young player for a solid effort, and he's going to ride him as long as he can because he's given him a great chance to win hockey games. And I think Casey DeSmith was a huge reason for the successful win against the Carolina Hurricanes last night because the Penguins weren't necessarily at their best from, for 60 minutes on, on that game or in that game. Last thing here for Brian Metzer, Penguins Radio Network. This is not the total solution to five-on-five five difficulties for Pittsburgh, and he's not the only reason for the five-on-five five difficulties. But I do think that playing somebody in the place of Ryan Reeves gives the Penguins a better chance to have that depth scoring. I don't know if that's even arguable, and if the Penguins are not going to have success 5-on-5 with him in the lineup, then I'm okay with him not being in the lineup, unless you absolutely need him and you're playing a team where you think you're going to have to throw down. I think that he's probably played a little better than has given him credit for he moves pretty well, and I think the knock is he can't play the speed game of the Penguins. And, yeah, maybe he's not as fast as you need him to be. Definitely doesn't have the offensive pedigree as some of the other guys. I was surprised to see him get a season-high 10.52 just the other night a couple of games ago, and then he's on a, he's listed as a healthy scratch going into last night. That was a little bit of an eyebrow raiser. Sure. But you're right. I think whenever Mike Sullivan has a comfort level with the players – on his fourth line that he, he believes can go out and play in both ends of the rink and play in all situations and can match up against top lines, et cetera, et cetera, he's going to roll four lines. And whenever he does roll four lines, the Penguins are a tougher team to play against. They're, they're top Two lines aren't getting overtaxed. Sid and Gino don't have to shoulder bigger loads, even though he's double-shifted them at times to make sure that Phil Kessel gets on the ice with each of them as he's been a third-line player. But 
above and beyond that, he rolls all four. And you see a, a liberal uh, sprinkling of the minutes across from top to bottom of those forwards, and you're not seeing Reeves be limited to four minutes or Kunakal being limited to four minutes. I thought the fourth line was great last night, having Brian Rust in that spot. I mean, we talked about it earlier in our chat. Look at the, the play they make to score the big goal for D, and I think he likes JSD. He knows him from Wilkes-Barre Scranton. He knows what he can bring. So I doubt you're going to see him come out anytime soon based on the fact he scored a big goal last night. And right now, maybe uh, Ryan Reeves, who the coach says brings a certain dimension to our team, is a guy that will be used in uh, on nights when he needs to bring that dimension. And other nights, maybe he watches in the press box with us, at least for a handful of games, till they make some headway and get where they want to be in the standings. Udamang, Mets, we'll have that Facebook Live up for you on Monday. Thanks for the time. Hey, always appreciate it. Thanks for having me, my friend. Take care. You too, buddy. There he goes, Brian Metzer, Penguins Radio Network. Coming up next, I'll tell you why the Penguins aren't just going to make the playoffs, but they're going to make some noise. And I'll tell you exactly what I'd do with their damn lineup. Uh, Enough of pounding your head against the wall, Sullivan. There's a solution, and it's right in front of you. It's the Crowley Show. The Penguins are making the playoffs. Why was everyone so scared? They're getting in. And newsflash, they're winning at least a round. Everyone's nervous, it seems. The pulse that I'm getting from around town is, just get in and see if you can make some noise. I'm telling you right now, without a shadow of a doubt, that if the Penguins make it, and they are, that they're going to win a round. At least... They're going to make noise again this year. You want to know how I know that? Look at what they did the last two years. The Penguins struggled in each of the last two years until they needed to not struggle. When they needed to turn it on, they did. The Penguins are going to qualify probably as the second or third seed in the Metropolitan Division. They're probably not going to catch Washington, although don't rule it out. They're only a handful of points back in that. But if the Penguins are the two or the three, think about the opponents that they might face. The Flyers, the Jackets, the Rangers, the Devils, the Islanders. The Devils are clearly a year early, and they're starting to fade back. They're not good. They're not. They're okay. They're not good. Forget everything that you saw in the beginning half of the season for New Jersey. The last 30 games, they're going to turn back into the Devils. Book it. The Rangers? Boy, aren't they fun. Not. Henrik Lundqvist is playing really well. Which is a surprise to me, given the way that Henrik Lundqvist has looked at times against the Penguins over the last couple of years. But here's the deal. They're without Chris Kreider. Really good player. A depth guy for them who puts the puck in the back of the net. A huge speed guy. And when I say huge speed guy, I mean that. He's a big dude who can skate. And then they don't have Kevin Shattenkirk which hurts their power play probably more than anything else, but that's a guy who was eating big minutes that's not going to be around. So I'm not afraid of them. I don't know if they're going to make it. In fact, I would bet money that the Rangers would not make it. But if they did, good luck against Pittsburgh. The Flyers stink. I know that they've won four games in a row. I know that they're playing good hockey. I know that Claude Giroux's atop the scoring race, or one of the players atop the scoring race, but... We've seen this before. I think they're a year early, too. They're not a great hockey club. 
They stink, in my opinion. You could stink and still get hot. The Blue Jackets did a couple of years ago, missed the playoffs. You could stink and still play good hockey for a stretch. Is it sustainable? Are they going to play this well the last 30 games of the season? And no. There's no precedent for me to think that they could sustain their level of play with the roster that they do have. There is precedent for me that the Penguins can sustain this level of play from now until they stop playing. The Penguins are going to be a tough out for anybody in the playoffs. Why? Because they've been there before. They've got the experience. They know what it takes. They know the trials and tribulations that they'll need to face. And they're also going to have some young players who don't know. If you have that combination, the experience and the youth, we've seen that be very successful for the Penguins in the past. I was just talking to Joe and Tom during the break, and if the Penguins wanted to move Sprung, I'm okay with it. Bring in somebody who can play third-line center for you and go out there and win your third Stanley Cup. But if you don't trade Sprung, guess who's going to make a profound impact in the playoffs? That guy. Because we've seen it. And he's got more pedigree than Jake Gensel. He's got more pedigree than Connor Sherry. He's got more pedigree than Tom Kuhnhockel. He's got more pedigree than Brian Rust. Doesn't mean he's going to be a better player than them, but he's got more top-end talent than any of those guys. If they were able to help, he'd be able to help too. So I feel good that the Penguins are either going to acquire players who are going to help get them over the top, or they're going to infuse that youth like they've been doing. The biggest problem, I think, with the end of the Dan Bilesman, Ray Shero era here in Pittsburgh is that they had youth when they won their first Stanley Cup. And they had a bottom six that kicked ass. They had Tyler Kennedy. They had Jordan Stull. They had Cook. And that line would mess you up, and they'd score in key moments. The Penguins thought, okay, depth is the key. And they're right about that. But Ray Shero said, let's pay for some depth. Let's trade for some depth. Let's get rid of young players to infuse our lineup with depth. And this general manager has made some trades. He's infused the lineup with depth that way. But both he and Mike Sullivan aren't afraid to trust young players. Young players who are hungry, young players who have legs, and young players who had success in top six roles in Wilkes-Barre Scranton that could come in here and play bottom six roles here in Pittsburgh. People always say, oh, this guy's not really suited for a fourth line. This guy's really not suited for a third line. The hell's that even mean anymore? Phil Kessel, Nick Bonino, and Carl Haglund was your third line when the Penguins won the championship in 2016. I'm sick of having these defined roles for a given line. Eat me. That ain't the way it's done anymore. The Penguins prove that you can win with depth if you have scoring on all four lines. If the Penguins were to say, send out Gensel, Sheehan, and Kessel as their third line, and that's their third line right now, Gensel's not your traditional third line player. He's not very big. Kessel's certainly not your traditional third line player because he's Phil, Phil freaking Kessel. These Penguins make you pay play at their pace. Gensel, Sheehan, Kessel, those guys go out, they kick ass by putting the puck in the back of the damn net. And whoever your third line is, whatever jabronis you're rolling out there to muck and grind, they've got to keep up with the Penguins, not the other way around. That's an asinine way of thinking, and Jim Rutherford has largely got 
away from that. Which brings me to the easiest solution that the Penguins have to continue some success or to rev up their success in five-on-five play, and that's to say, Ryan Reeves, man, I love you. You're a great dude. You're a badass. But you're also a bad hockey player. He's been better than I thought he'd be. But nobody gets knocked off their skates as easy as Ryan Reeves, which is bizarre, right? Because he's a damn freight train. He's a truck on the ice. But he doesn't skate well enough to stick with the players they're playing him with. A guy that big should not be able to be knocked on his wallet the way that he is. And it happens every game. The guy falls down. Get him out of there. The fourth line that the Penguins have right now, roll with it for a little bit. See what you got there. Right now it's Kuhnhockel, Dea, Rust. I'm going to call him Dea. Because Dea went to my high school. She thinks some good tunes. If Rust is on your fourth line, you get a hell of a lot better chance of winning a Stanley Cup than if Ryan Reeves on your fourth line. I'm right about that. If it's Kuhnhockle, Dea, and Ray Rust, you can survive with that. If it's Kuhnhockle, and I'm going to keep calling him Dea, and Reeves, eight minutes a night, maybe? Seven, six? But if you throw Rust out there, that line can contribute. And then you've got four lines that you have to contend with. And you actually have to pay attention to the Penguins 5-on-5. If it's Simone, Crosby, and Sherry, going to be a good line. Why? Because Crosby's on it. And the guy's got 16 points in his last eight games. Haglin has finally looked like the Haglin of old. He's with Malkin and Hornquist. That's a really damn good second line. And Shane might not be a great player. And he might not be your ideal third-line center. Maybe in an ideal world, you move him down the fourth line, you plug someone else in there. But if he's playing with Gensel or Kessel and Kessel, that's a line that can score. The Penguins are starting to resemble a team that has the chops. The Penguins are starting to resemble a team that can do what the last two teams have. Badass. 412-922-2874. Tweet me at underscore Adam Crowley. And we were just talking about this in the next room as well. The Penguins defense core last year, how in the sweet world did they win a Stanley Cup? I know people are worried about the Penguins defense. I don't really think you need to worry about it all that much. They'll come together. They are coming together. And if Chris Letang continues reverting back to form, and I think he's playing better since the Penguins have been playing better, no surprise there, then that just makes it a trickle-down effect. Because if that French-Canadian dude is going to be playing 25 minutes a night, everyone else gets incrementally better. Not only is this Penguins team making the playoffs, but they're making noise when they get there. What say you? 412-922-2874. Tweet me at underscore Adam Crowley. People are commenting on my cheese tease that I put up on Twitter. Jesse Marshall, who kicks ass for the Athletics, said, you got to grow out a handlebar mustache. I'm really looking like a 
hipster these days. Brian tweets, dude, what's up with your hair? It looks sweet. Sean tweets, if you're ever looking for Adam at the station, he's candidly hanging out next to the framed iHeartMedia sign on the fourth floor. Nice. Just sitting there, eating my avocado nice. toast and smoking from a pipe. Coming up next, got a big treat today. Tell you what that was. And we got to talk about the Nasser situation and how it continues to happen in sports. There's a common factor in each of these cases. Penn State, Baylor, and now Michigan State. I'll tell you what that is next. It's the Crowley Show.